So in the interest of getting the other side of the story, we reached out to the attorneys who were on the Dream Team. Of course, Robert Kardashian and Johnny Cochran have died. We reached out to Barry Sheck. Radio Silent. Radio Silence. Carl. Douglas. He said no. Effley Bailey. Drunken Disbarred. Yeah, that's a no. Robert Shapiro. He said no. I actually reached Alan Dershowitz by phone, and he said yes. And then these accusations came out about Jeffrey Epstein, and his name has been— Dragged through the mud. Yes. And so he has ghosted us (laughs) since then. (laughs) We did get a response from one person on the defense side, the private investigator they used. His name is Patrick McKenna, and here is your conversation with him. Hello. Hi, Pat. It's Kim Goldman. Hi. How are you? I'm okay, thanks. So, we've never met. Yeah, we never formally met, but I think we met eyes a number of times at the courthouse and stuff, and I generally am sensitive to victims' families, so I don't, you know, engage and I kind of glance away. No disrespect. It's out of respect. Well, I I appreciate that. I don't know what my eyes would have said had I remembered um, looking at you back then, so... um, I'm just going to let that be what it is. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay. This is super hard for me, and I appreciate that you're doing this. You're the only one from the defense side that was willing to talk to me, so I appreciate that. So how did you get involved with the criminal case? Shapiro called me up. You mean Simpson's attorney, Robert Shapiro? Yeah. He got on the phone. He said, hey, I hear good things about you. He said, I need to go to Chicago, be my videotape. I need everything that Simpson did from the time he got off the plane Until the time he got back on, who he interacted with, you know, all that detail stuff. I said, okay. Mm -hmm. That was it. What did you discover in Chicago? Clinton was in town, so this hotel had a lot of Secret Service people. The hotel was packed, right? So I checked into the O'Hare Plaza, and uh, I called a couple of my brothers. I'm the oldest of 10 kids. I called my uh, two brothers and said, hey, don't tell the girls, meaning my sisters or my mom. But I might be on this case, blah, blah, blah. Don't say anything. So so uh, they said fine. Well, I, wait, so can, I, I think, can I interrupt you really quickly? Yeah, sure. Anytime. Well, I have a couple things because I, I, I appreciate all your storytelling. I just, wh- why would you not want them to know you're on this case, though? Why would that be important for you to point out? Well, because my mom is very proud of her son. My sisters like to talk. And when one person talks to another person, that's two people, then four, then six. The only way I can really be effective, and I, and I that wasn't my first high-profile case, but the only way to really come in and try to do a really good job is I don't come in and hold a press conference. Hey, look at me. I'm here. I'm the guy to say. I try to lay low so I can, so people, and nowadays I've got a dozen of these under my belt. It's very difficult to, you know, get people to relax on a case. Right. Uh, so that's really why. There's no nefarious reason. I just didn't want uh my name getting out there yet. Okay. But anyway, I discovered chaos all over the city and this hotel, number one. I'm usually very cooperative. with. I've done a lot of homicide cases. I know a lot of homicide cops. They know my reputation down here and other places. So I don't do cowboy moves. I do everything by the book. And so that's kind of what it was. So I called my friend and he says, oh my God, my best friend is the head of Area 5, which is where the jurisdiction of this O'Hare Plaza. So I met with him. And of course, he's not going to tell me anything 
uh, other than we processed this as it was a crime scene and we're really pissed off because we did it all to the best of our ability, shipped it to L.A., and now the various witnesses here in this hotel and other places have the media camped out on their front doorstep. Right. So they didn't even redact any of the information before L.A. leaked it out. Right. Did you find anything that was important while you were in Chicago? Anything specific? Uh, yeah, eventually I got the hotel folio, which included his, uh, you know, your phone calls out of your room. He calls a number of people, but first is Kathy Randall, his secretary. Do you think that's an interesting first call to make is to your your secretary? I don't know. I guess I would call my family or my kids. Maybe. Just seemed odd to me. I don't know. I've never been accused of a horrible... I've, I've never been accused of a crime or killed anybody either. So I don't know what I would do. Yeah. So who knows what you would do? Yeah. Okay. So you're part of the defense team. You obviously support and believe that he is um, not guilty of these crimes. Well, I think innocent. I really do. I, I probably have... Ten people in my career, I believe, are innocent. He's one of them. Can you give me, like, your top reasons that it supports not guilty? Sure. I don't think this man could do this slaughter in that short of a period of time and then get rid of everything. And I used to tell all Jeff Tube and all the reporters out there when they say, well, so what's going on? I said, the guy didn't do it. He didn't have, I, he didn't have time. To us, it just didn't make a lot of sense. And then we had thing we called the demeanor evidence, which was all these people in Chicago and the people on the plane out and on the plane back. His demeanor was one of an affable, signing autograph guy before he even gets on the plane in L.A. To and when he gets off, I think he signed a football card in the lobby of the O'Hare Plaza before he went up to bed. So are you of the belief that Mark Furman planted evidence? I am. Not like everybody in the media was saying that we, the defense, were accusing the police department of conspiring to frame an innocent man. No, none of us ever said that. That was what the media was saying. I think what we were saying was we think this is a dirty cop and they're careless in their science labs. And then the the blood, I'd like to spend just five seconds on the blood. Because you want to hear my theory, what happened? Yes. So Furman, as we know, is not a big fan of uh, African-Americans uh, or Mexicans or Jewish people. Probably not me either. Irish Catholic probably hates me too. Uh, doesn't matter. But Furman assessed that scene. In his mind, jumped to the conclusion, opened that Bronco door, came back, got the glove, one glove, brought it up and stuck it in the Bronco. So you think that he took the glove from the scene, even though nobody else that was there before him um testified to seeing a, a two gloves? They all said that they saw one glove? He might have got rid of it early. He might have, when he first got up there, took it then. Uh, we'll never know, because he's denied it all. But Furman has this prior knowledge of the incident where they had the Mercedes and OJ tells him to piss off and gets away and drives away. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before. 
where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Mark Furman was one of the police officers who responded to a 911 domestic violence call when O.J. Simpson smashed Nicole's Mercedes with a baseball bat. You mentioned the Mercedes incident. When that happened, Furman let him go. So if he was really trying to screw him, why didn't he arrest him? Because O.J. got in his, I guess it was a Bentley or Rolls Royce at the time, and took, I said, fuck it, I'm leaving. And that pissed off Furman enough that he write the report in 94 saying, I remember this incident way back when. It left an indelible memory in my mind. And you think that the killer talking back to him or being whatever happened in that Mercedes incident stayed in Furman's mind enough that he was going to try to figure out how he could frame him when he had no idea where Simpson was? He had no idea if Simpson had an alibi. He had no idea if Simpson was dead or alive. He had no idea anything, but he was going to swipe evidence. That's why I think he stuck it in the Bronco, because the Bronco was unlocked. At the end of the day, I can't support a notion that supports a, a whole theory of planting evidence um, before I would believe that someone who beat the holy shit out of their wife on an ongoing basis wouldn't escalate to killing her. But I happen to think that the anger should be directed towards Mark Furman, who took the Fifth Amendment, for God's sakes. He stands in March and says, I never used the words. I didn't do this. I didn't do that. Listen, I agree with you. I do have a lot of anger towards Mark Furman. Oh, good. Because I think pleading the fifth does negate all of the testimony that he had around all the evidence that he cited as being seen. I do not think for one second he planted the evidence. All right. I think he was a scapegoat. Why did he take the Fifth Amendment? I, I don't know. I was di- I was hugely disappointed in that. I mean, all these prosecutors and, and everybody else that wrote books seem to be pissed off at Furman. Again, I think that you and I could have a really healthy debate, and if I, I'd have to bring out my encyclopedia of all the evidence and stuff, because I think this is really interesting. But let's go present day. Sure. Do you have contact with the killer today still? No, because I don't know who the killer is. I know that's your words. I have spoken to Simpson a number of times. Does he talk about his search for the real killers? Because I know he vowed to do that. Does he ever talk to you about who he thinks may have done it or trying to get justice for Nicole? Nothing would make my career better than to find somebody like that. I'm asking if he's talked about that. I mean, he hasn't gone on Twitter and said, hey, if anybody has any information of who killed my wife, I mean, he's got a free platform. You know, if his, his attorney keeps talking about all of his Twitter followers, why wouldn't he use his platform to, to do something to try to find the real killers, which he vowed to do when he was acquitted. Why hasn't he done that? It does take resources. He ain't got them. I, I would scream that from the rooftop every fucking day if I didn't commit a double murder. Yeah, so would I. So how do you, we talk a lot about, again, demeanor. You believe he's innocent. Why isn't he doing that? Well, I don't, I don't know because I don't follow Twitter. I do appreciate you taking time to speak with me. Like I said, nobody else on the defense side wanted to, which I find unfortunate. I I know I got a little upset. I hope I wasn't disrespectful um, to you. I just... No, not at all. I get beat up at Christmas parties and everywhere else. I get beat up in the law firm that's about to hire me, tell me I'm full of shit. So I'm used to it. Don't worry. 
Well, I won't tell you you're full of shit. Ah, thank you, Kim. I'm just surprised that you're so committed to this 25 years later. Well, it's just what I believe, that's all. I I wasn't there that night. I'm just telling you what I believe from 20 some odd years of experience. And I'm doing it, you know, I feel badly that your family went through all this. Thank you so much, Pat. I appreciate it. Yep. Okay. Kim, that was, as Marsha Clark would say, objectively bonkers. (laughs) One of the most insane things we've seen was Simpson joining Twitter. Remember he went on to talk about politics? Yeah, he was uh, uh, moderating the debates or something from his lounge chair eating sushi or some ridiculousness like that. Hey, Twitter world, it's me, yours truly, sitting at my house waiting to watch this debate, to hear a bunch of people who think they're capable of running our country. It should be interesting because, to be honest, I I don't know most of these guys, but I'm interested to hear what they have to say. After his comments, one user said, love that you're taking a stab at politics instead of women for once. Wow. All right. After seeing Simpson post a video of himself on the golf course, one person said, did you find the real killers on that golf course? No. Maybe the next one. How do you afford those greens fees being bankrupt? I've had a lot of those kinds of comments, which I appreciate. In response to this. Hey, Twitter world, this is yours truly. Today I'm celebrating my 33rd annual 39th birthday. <laughs> and I got to tell you, it's been quite a ride. They say in every life some rain must fall. Well, I've had some hurricanes descend in my life, but hey, look, I got some guys to beat and some cake to eat. Take care. Somebody said, you know who doesn't celebrate birthdays anymore? The two people you killed, homie. Yeah. It's been jarring to see him on there. Yeah. People respond, and they sometimes include me in that, and so um, I haven't entirely been able to avoid it. But when I do need a little boost in my day, I'll look at some of the responses, and people have been incredibly supportive um, and uh, keep reminding him. And I love when people keep posting when they've been blocked by him. That's super fun. (laughs) It's like a badge of honor. America's standing up for you. Well, and I I also want to set the record straight. There's lots of people that think I'm against him being on Twitter, which I don't think I've ever said. Um, I certainly understand he has a right to. It's just— hard to watch it. I also think that people are just confused as to how someone who, you know, is held responsible for killing people can have a Twitter account. But, yeah, you know, Bill Cosby has an account and he's in prison for, you know, raping people. So I think yeah. uh, this is the society that we live in. If we want something done about it, then we have to rise up and use our voices. But I do believe that the podcast has stirred up something for him. I don't know if it's emotion. I don't know if it's anger. Um, I just don't know of any other double murder with an active Twitter account that gets on there and talking about getting even um, rather than proclaiming his innocence. But it's who he is, and this is the same person that wrote a a confessional, and if I did it. Um, Having said that, uh, my invitation stands, and should um, that ever happen, I will not hide from him. It won't be a secret. I won't sign a nondisclosure or play games with him. I will sit right there across from him and look him in the eyes and say my piece. 